So we pick up on Daf Yud Aleph in Meseches Chagiga, page 11a, and we're up to Ella Misefa. It's the last word on the second line, first word on the third line, Ella Misefa. And what we are going through is, particularly over here, the transgression of Me'ila, when somebody takes something that belongs to Hektish, and they use it for their personal benefit, the Mishnah had told us the laws of Me'ila are like a mountain of information hanging by a hair, hanging by a thread, a little bit of words in the Torah that hint to these halachas. The Gemara was bothered. What do you mean a little bit? There's many psukim that have to do with Me'ila. And now the Gemara is going to, have, going to attempt which halachas, uh, attempt again, which halachas were we, was the Mishnah referring to when it said there, there is a category of halachas concerning Me'ila that's like a mountain hanging by a few words. So here we go. Elami Seifa. Rather, the halacha the Mishnah is referring to could be learned out from the end of the Mishnah. What did the end of the Mishnah say? Let's say the Gizbar, the treasurer of the Beis HaMikdash, took the finances of the Beis HaMikdash and he built, let's say he took a beam and built the beam that belongs to Hektish into his own house. Now the Gizbar is unique. Why? Because if you think about it, if you're the treasurer, do you own it? No. But do you have the rights to determine how it's used? Yeah. That's why you're the treasurer. So this guy's in a unique situation. Because he's taking it and deciding that it should be used on his house. So it never transferred domain. And really, he has the rights to decide. He just shouldn't have decided this. right? There's obviously, you know, what do they call it? Not Yeah, big time conflict of interest. Excellent. Right? So what's the halacha of the treasurer who does this? Hareza lo ma'al, behold, it's not considered me'ila ad she'yarud tachteha b'shava Until he lives in it a value of a shava pruta, which means a financial value. So if he were to put the beam as part of his house, that itself didn't do anything because no transfer of domain happened and he has the rights. But once he personally benefits from the beam, using it for his living, now he's gained monetary value from it. Now he's going to be over on the And this concept and how this plays out is like a mountain, a halacha of a mountain that stems from really a hairbreadth of words. Okay? Because obviously this is a, this is a uh, complicated situation, how this plays out, al pi halacha. Where, what exactly happened here? Says Gemara, Mechti, let's see. Shinu Shanaya. Things changed by him putting it into his house. Mali dar, mali lodar. The Gemara is answer, asking a, a simple question. What does it make a difference if he lived under it or not and gained the financial value? Once he attaches it to his house, doesn't, doesn't it move it and move him from being a treasurer over this beam to being the owner as soon as it's built in? And therefore, this is like a mountain of halacha. That's hanging by a hair. Okay. Okay, got it? You're not going to figure this out just from the words. That you have to wait till you dwell underneath it. Nah, come on. As soon as you build it in, it should be. How this plays out is like a mountain. Okay. Says the Gemara, my kosha, what's, what's bothering you? What's the question? Doma lechederav. Maybe our Mishnah is following Rav. Doma Rav Rav says, Kegain shehenicha al pi aruba. For example, he put it on, uh, he took this beam and put it on top of his skylight. Idarbe in. And therefore, if he lives underneath it, 
So now he benefited because beforehand there would have been the sun coming down. Now the beam is what's directly on top of him that wasn't there before. But if he didn't put it there, then he's not Eremila. Why? What are you going to say? He attached it to his house? No, he didn't. He just laid it down on top of his skylight. It's not part of his house. So did anything change with it? No. Until you personally benefit by sitting under the shade with a financial value. So now it's Mila. And that's logical. The only thing that's a mountain hanging by a hair is if you say that you're not obligated until you get a financial value when it's built in. But if it's not built in, it's very logical why you would not be obligated until you have a financial value. Rather, really, we're going back to Rava. What's Rava? So we learned on the bottom of Yudah on yesterday's daf. Rava's idea of Me'ila being a mountain hanging by a hair is when you have a sender who sends a messenger to purchase something unintentionally with consecrated money. Okay? Now, and this that we asked the question, it's the, uh, it should be the same thing as somebody who by mistake uses holy money for a mundane matter. Also, I'll tell you the difference. Over there, where you did it by mistake, so then you knew you had hectish. You you knew you had hectish money. You just didn't realize that the money you're using is is the hectish money. I know I've got a bank account that belongs to hectish. By mistake, I wrote out a check from that bank account. I thought I was going to write it out from my Hulin bank account. So you buy the unit. Therefore, we're going to have a claim on you. We say, you know, you should have been more careful. You should have looked at the numbers on your checks, and therefore. The uh, uh, you're you're going to be over on meila. Hainuka hararim hatluyim hacha. I'm sorry, but hacha. But over here, me yada. Did the shliach know that there was ever holy money? He had no clue, and therefore he's completely uh, separate from the possibility of meila. Yet, what are we saying? If somebody sends you unintentionally as an agent. The agent is Chayav Amila. What is he supposed to know? If I send you to go buy something and it turns out that that money was Shruma money, which is possible nowadays, by the way, okay? If you were to purchase fruits and vegetables in Israel without a Heksher, without Kashrus stating that Shruma and Isis were already separated, I'm obligated to separate Shruma and Isis. How do I do it? You take value of the apple, the orange, the vegetable, whatever it is, and you put it aside, and now you have holy coins. I had, we had to do that uh, once when we were Bachram living in Eretz Yisrael. So we went on vacation to Netanya, and we ended up buying fruits and vegetables from someplace, and we realized afterwards it didn't have a heksher. And I called up, um, I called up a, uh, a Paisik, and he told us exactly how to do it. He told us to take the money afterwards and throw it into the Amamelech. Because it was holding money and make sure nobody's uh, make sure nobody's ever using morning sin. Make sure uh, nobody's uh, using. But be it as it may, this that the shliach is gonna be mukhoyev, that halacha, the obligating him is like a a uh, mountain of psak coming out of a hair. Period. End of that Gemara. Viter. Two dots. The Mishnah said, Mikra muat vahalachais mu merubais. There are some halachos that are not like a mountain hanging by a thread, but there are a lot of halachas that come out of a few psukim. Okay, so there's, there's more 
background substance, so to speak. Okay. To not sub the word's not substance. There's more background uh, information that we can rely upon for this. Says the Gemara, we learned that Abraisa Negaim Bahalais Mikramuat Valachis Miruba is the laws of Negaim Tsaras and Ayhala is how how Ayhala is when you have a ohel, a tent over a dead body, how it spreads. So these have a few psukim and a lot of halachas. Says the Gemara, what are you talking about? You're gonna tell me that Saras only has a few psukim, Negaim Mikramuat. Really? Right? There's a whole parsha. Tazriya, Mitzayra. There's a lot, there's a lot of information over here. Omar of Papa, Rav Papa says, this is what we mean. You're right. There's a lot of psukim discussing tsaras, but not so many halachas. The opposite of what we thought. It's not that there's a few psukim and a lot of halachas, but care. There's a lot of psukim and not too many halachas that come out of it, that are extrapolated from it. A halachas, when it comes to a halachas, mikra muad. That's where we say there's few psukim, the halachas merubas, but a lot of halachas. Says the Gemara, the Maynav Kamina. All right, what's a practical difference between whether you have a lot of psukim and few halachas? What is is, right? Says the Gemara, no. If you are in doubt about something, binigayim, when it comes to hilchas teras, it's letting me know. You know what? You know what to do. I am bekray. Look inside the psukim. If you want to know when it comes to hilchas teras, you're going to find it by reading the Torah. But if you ever in doubt about something when it comes to oyhalos, I am bimasnisa. So then you're going to find it in Torah You're going to find it in Mishnayis period. Okay, it's fascinating. Right? The Gemara says, who cares whether there's a few psukim, a lot of halachas, a lot of psukim, a few halachas, says, no, you have to know where to look it up. My father, Zechariah Levracha, in the same conversation which we shared when he asked Rav Maisha why he should get smicha. Rav Maisha gave smicha to my father. My father said, what is the point of getting smicha? If I know the answer, I could answer whether or not I'm a Pisic. If I don't know the answer, I'll zip my lip. Right? We discussed this. Rav Maisha said, if you have smicha, you're putter. If you paskin wrong, you're not held accountable, uh, you know, you're not, you're not held accountable financially. To somebody, if you pass in a chicken's trafe and you didn't have smicha and it was really kosher, you just stole $15. Okay? But that was part of the conversation. The other half of the conversation is listen to this. So at the end of, they had my, Ramesha, if I heard my father for like three, four hours, told the Rebbitzin, came in and said, Rashiva Shanganug, you know, leave uh, Yassi alone. So, um, um, my, Ramesha gave my father smicha on Yadin Yadin, uh, on Yura Yura Yadin Yadin. He gave him smicha on Yaredea. Okay? And Kashrus, Nida, and that's what they had handled. And also on Chesha Mishpat, that's Yad and Yad. So my father, my father looked at the smicha, the paper Maisha gave me, he said, I don't know Chesha Mishpat. Why are you giving me smicha on Yad and Yad? Okay? So Maisha tells him, he says, I know. But during our conversation, we touched upon it. And I know that you know where to look if a shayla ever comes up. So I'm giving you smicha on chayshu mishpat as well. That's what he said. So that's on the smicha, it says, you're, you're, now, it's not so simple to get a smicha on chayshu mishpat just like that because you know where to look it up. But that's what the, the Gemara the here is teaching us this hush of a value. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be the most brilliant mind to know everything. I'm giving you a practical nafkamina, says the Gemara. You want to know Hilchas Saras, you have to know where to look it up. Crack a book, open up a chumash. You want to know, you have to know where to look. You know what you're doing. You want to know when it comes to, when it comes to Eilis. 
You want to know how to, how to learn the psak of how Tumas spread, but Tumas soil? You're going to have to learn the Mishnah. You have to look at the Mishnah. You've got to know where to look. Mamish, a, 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 beautiful, a beautiful message over here. Okay, next part of the Gemara. The Mishnah said, Dinan, the halachas of monetary um, disputes and, and uh, financial matters. There's a lot of psukim. Says the Gemara, Mikhtav Ksivan. What's this whole Mishnah telling me? Oh, the halachas of monetary things. You can find psukim to help you out. Says the Gemara, what do you mean psukim to help you out? It's explicit. Yeah? Go to Baba Kama, recording psukim all the time. Listen to this. What does it mean, Nefesh Tachas Nefesh? What does this Pasuk say? This is very, very interesting. This has to do, this touches on Hilchus abortion. All right? Two men are fighting. One of them, uh, one of them uh, makes a fist, trying to punch the other guy. A pregnant woman walks by, he punches her in the belly, and the baby dies. Shtetan Pasuk, what does the Pasuk say? Nefesh tachas nefesh. What does that mean? What would you think it means? Chayav Misa. Abortion, you kill a baby inside the mother, you chayav Misa. But no, what does it mean? Mum. It's interesting. You only chayav a, finan- a financial obligation to the parents, the father. Says, Gemara, I'll tell you a moment. How do you know it means a financial matter? How do you know? Yeah, how do you know you're obligated to money? Maybe chayav Misa. You murder somebody, you chayav Misa. Capital punishment. Nemra Nesina Lamatov, Nemra Nesina Lamala, comes along, comes along the Rabbanon, they say it says, uh, there's two psukim referring to Nesina, Mala Halon, uh, Mammon, just like over there is referring to Mammon, Afkan, so too over here, Mammon, it's referring to Mammon as well. Nesina is when you give something over, right? You can't give over a Nefesh, you give over, it's referring to a financial matter. So there... That's when we said you have psukim supporting the halacha, but it's not going to be explicitly in the Torah. You need Zerah you need a, you need a Torah Okay. You know, there's a, just to pause, we could have mentioned this earlier. You know, the Maish, the Gemara brings down a story with Hillel, where a, a Yid came to him and he said, I want to, a, a guy, I'm sorry, a non-Jew, a future ger." Comes to Hill and he says, I want to be Makabal the Torah, but I'm only going to be Makabal Torah Shabbat I'm not going to be Makabal Torah Shabbat Will you convert me? Hill says, Deal. You hit us. Deal. He's going to convert. And this Yid, he's going to convert this guy, and this guy is not willing to be Makabal Torah Shabbat Peh. So he says, We're going to convert you on condition that you learn with me. Okay? So there's what happened. Beautiful. They sit down. He says, All right, learning session number one. Opens up to the front of a sitter. What is the front sitter? Aleph, base, gimel, dalit, hey, vav, yeah? He says, this is an aleph, this is a base, this is a gimel, this is a dalit. He teaches him the first letters of the aleph base. He says, go home, chazarit, come back tomorrow. The guy goes home and he reviews it. He comes back the next day. Next day, Hillel points it, points to an aleph. He says, hey, ready? That's chazarit. This is a base. Points to a base. He says, this is an aleph. It's a gimel. Points to gimel. He says, this is a base. There's a dalit. The guy says, one second. Yesterday he told me this. Hill says, okay, well, how do you know what's an aleph and a base? Only when I tell you. There's no way to have Teresh HaBaksav without Teresh HaBaksav. You're not going to listen to your Abayim? How do you even know what sound anything makes without Messiah? Hmm. You have nothing without Messiah. There's no such thing. The whole thing's a contradiction. People who believe in Teresh HaBaksav without Teresh HaBaksav, why do you even believe that Dawud makes a duh sound? Who told you that? The Chachamim. You can't do anything without the Chachamim. So the whole thing's Bizyayinus. Right? 
So the guy was makabel tereshav abe. Hillel saw him. He was taka bevakish emes. So he. He, he says, I'm going to be with Gairu. But then he taught him this message. The guy says, okay, beseder. I'm in. I get it. Avoidus. Also, the halachas of Karbonais, we have psukim supporting the halachas. Says the Gemara, again, what do you mean you have psukim supporting the halachas? Explicit psukim, explicit verses. Says the Gemara, no, not necessarily. You know why? We're referring to the carrying of the blood to the Mizbeach. The Tanakh learned to the Bais of Ekrivei. You should bring the, the blood. Zukabal is referring to the receiving of the blood. But when it comes to catching the blood, after Shechita, the Torah refers it to bringing it. What does that mean? Tuchsiv. Tuchsiv, as it says, The Kayan brings all of it. And he brings it. And then he, he's, he puts it up in smoke on the Mizbeach. And the Tana taught us, It's referring to bringing the limbs of the carbon to the Kebes, to the ramp. So you see that the word Hakrava usually means bringing something. But Chachamim are coming along and saying, over here by the dam, it means something else. What does it mean to bring? It means Kabbalah. It's teaching us that carrying the blood should be no different than the catching of the blood. Is there an explicit verse telling me this halacha? Nein. No. But we have Sukkim supporting it. And that's why we we're, we're use the expression of support. Okay, what about Hukas Tyrus? We said to Haris, how to become pure after you are Tame. That also has, has uh, support from Psukim. And the Gemara asked the same question. Psukim support the Tara process? Mechtav Ksivan asked the Gemara. It's explicit words in the Torah. What do you mean it's support? And for the Gemara, the Gemara answers something we should have thought on our own. Le'initzrecha ella l'shir mikvah. It tells me how to become pure. But the technical details of what's done, for example... What's a mikvah? It says, go dunk yourself in a mikvah. What's a mikvah? To like siva, it doesn't say anywhere what a kosher mikvah is in the Torah. At the time, we learned in a brisa. What does the Pasuk say? He washes off his body in water. In the mikvah water. I got this. Now let me ask you a question. That's called besare. Your whole body. I would think, by the way, you know what this means? Take a nice shower. Wash off your whole body. Gewaldic. Yeah? Can you give this answer? For My? Uh-huh. Give the same answer. All the questions we've done until now about this, you give the same answer. Right? Okay. In a Hanami. Simple is pointing out that, and that really what's happening here is when we say there's psukim that are supporting the, the ikr halacha, we're referring to the more specific details. But... It can be directly what, what we want to do over here. For example, by Tara, is we're we're gonna we're about to show how the actual words of the pasuk are not only a support for what the chachamim are gonna say, but they're more directly causing the halacha, as opposed to being like a mountain hanging by a thread. We're gonna about to see that the let's say the laws of mikvah. If you really read the words properly are there. And that's what the Gemara is showing us. You're right. You're right. By each situation, it's like, you're not going to know it either. The Gemara is pointing out there are times where Psukim, if you actually break it down in context, actually said it. Like we pointed out uh, yesterday in, Pir- in Pirkei Avis, 
So we were recording a Mishnah for Rabbi Akiva. The Mishnah says, Hu ha Omer. Right? He used to say. The Meiri says, whenever you find Hu ha Omer in Pirkei Yavis, it doesn't mean he used to say. In context, the Meiri agrees. You know what Hu Omer means? Hu Haya, he was, Omer, the statement. So whenever you see Hu ha Omer, Zakdamiri, it's the Mishnah is telling us, this statement defines the Tana. Who? Haya Aymer. And when you hear that, you're like, oh, Taka. That makes a lot of sense. But in context, you wouldn't have picked that up. But when you focus on the words, it's right there. That's, that's enough to mean about what we're going to be saying, but difference between Tara and anything else. So let's see how this fits in. Okay. Baruch HaTzat You wash your, your body in the water. B'mei mikvah. Okay. It's got to be gathered water. Mikvah water. As Kobazar, your entire body. How much water? Mayim Gufa Elamem. Your entire body means enough water that, that your whole body could fit into. If you read those words, it's taka right there. It's in your face. The kamahim, how much water is it? Amalama barum shalishamas, one cubit by three. The shiro chamame mikvah arbom so. Nacham say it's 40 so, but we have in our, in our uh, uh, measurements a little less than 200 gallons of water is what you need for a kosher mikvah. Now, does it say you need 40 sa in the Torah? No. But if you read the words of the Pasuk, what does it say? Verachatz eskol besaroi b'mayim. So, oh, oh, your entire body. Oh, so, okay. Well, <laughs> just go. T- take the amount. I've got to wash my whole body. My whole body has to be in the water. That's what it says. All right. Let me go figure out how much that is. It's 40 sa. It's not telling me it's more direct. Beautiful. Tumais. Dalachas of Tumma. Frek the Gemara. Mechtav Tzima. What do you mean? We have Sukkim supporting it. Chora, it's explicit. Says the Gemara. Same concept. We're dealing with that you could become Tomei even from a, a part of a Sheretz, which is the size of a lentil. Delay Ksiba. That measurement you would not be able to explicitly pull out of the words. But the words strongly support this. How do you see that? The time of the Bryce of Bohem, that uh, when you have Tumas Sharetz, so, Kolanegea Bohem Bimaisam, anybody who touches them when it dies, is, when the, when the Sharetz is dead, is going to be Tomei. Yocho Bekulon, I might think, that you're only tummy for, for touching a sheretz when it's an entire sheretz. Talmud Leimar, mayhem. When it touches, when you touch from the sheretz. Means you don't need to touch the whole thing in order to be tummy. You, okay, fine. Only part of it. Okay, good. So far, so good. Okay, so now, as long as I touch a part of it, any amount, it seems I'm going to be tummy. Because it says mayhem. No, no, no. Keep reading. Talmud Leimar, bohem. It also says, uh, it, it also says, Bohem. Okay? Anybody touches in them, what does that mean? Is it any amount? Is it Bohem? How does this play out? You know what it means? You're only going to become Tomei from touching this dead rodent, one of the eight dead rodents. You have to touch a part of it, but that part of, the, that part of it has to be big enough that it's called a rodent. It's like, it's not, ew, what did I just touch? It's, I just touched a sheret. Okay? Now, 
how much of the sheretz needs to be touched in order to be called, ooh, I touched the sheretz. Chum say, a lentil size. Because a chaymet, which is one of the sheretzim that dies, is the size of a lentil. And it gives off tumah. Um, he says it has to, it's not the size of a lentil, but it's the size of the tail of a lito'a. Okay, a lito'a is also one of the uh, is also uh, one of the shratzim, some sort of uh, crawling creature. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe scorpion, something like that. Um, okay. Bottom line: Did the pasuk explicitly tell me this? No, but the pasuk told me from mayhem and bohem that it's not the most minimal amount, but it's even going to be less. Period. Two dots. Bottom line of Dafyur Aleph Amar Aleph. Arias. Arias. The laws of Arias also strongly supported. Mechtav Ksivim. What do you mean? Forbidden relationships are strongly supported in the Torah? It's explicitly there. Answers the Gemara Lai Nitzrecha Tap of Amud Beis Lai Nitzrecha Lebitaim Heyanu A daughter who came from an Anus. Okay? Meaning... A guy, uh, um, there, there's somebody who has a uh, relationship with a woman that was forbidden, and she has a daughter. Okay, so this is his daughter. But when the Torah says that you're forbidden to your daughter, it's an erva, it's an arayas. The Torah only mentions a legitimate daughter. It doesn't mention an Ill- illegitimate daughter. So how do you know it's there? So like Siva, um, that that's not explicitly written. That you're not allowed to be with any daughter, whether she comes from a legitimate relationship or not. And it's, and it's also learned out from Zima Zima, which is going to be ultimately the chiyah, the, the, the death obligation, if there are witnesses. Now, can you figure out really from the Pasuk that you're not allowed to be with your daughter when it says from a legitimate relationship, wouldn't I assume even from an issue, she's still your daughter, right? Okay, so we still use, we're using the Pasuk to teach me this added halacha of Rav Yisak Barav but the Pasukim strongly support this. And the last part of the Gemara before the Mishnah, <coughs> we said hey, before the end of the parak, hein hein gufei tayr. These are the gufei taira. These are the, the, the body of halacha. Says the Gemara, Hani in, Hanachloi. The last case of the Mishnah where we gave the list of halachas that are strongly supported by Psukim as opposed to the mountain by a thread or taira shabalpeh. These are the gufei taira as opposed to anything else. Says the Gemara, no, ela ema. Hain, hain, gufei taira. Beautiful. Everything is gufei taira. You know what this means? All the halachas that we just discussed, the last couple of daf, that have to do with Torah Shabbal Peh without any sources in the Torah. And any halacha that we have that's a mountain hanging by a thread. Or it's a halacha which is more clearly defined by Psukim in the Torah. No matter where you get the halacha from, if it's part of our Messiah, they're equal. Hain, hain, gufei ha Beautiful. Don't say, oh, this is more important because I see a Pesuk directly referencing it. And everything else, eh, just Allah Khumish Misina is not important. No. 
Hain hain gufei Torah. If you want to have the body of Torah, you need all categories together. Hadron Allah hakol chayovin. Hadron Allah hakol chayovin. Hadron Allah hakol chayovin. Beautiful. Mazel tov to everybody who finished the first parak with us of Meseches Chagiga. We got two more to go. Two more prokim till we finish this holy Mesechta and Seder uh, and Seder Mahir. Next parak. Ein darshan ba'arayas bishlesha. You cannot darshan publicly give over the laws of forbidden relationships um, with three people, which the Gemara is going to explain means three talmidim, three students. Okay? We'll see in the Gemara why such a beautiful limud, beautiful message. But you're not allowed to teach the laws of forbidden relationships when you have three people listening to the drasha. For like my and also about my We'll see soon why as well. When it comes to the creation of the world, you should not speak it out in front of two people. For like now keep in mind, these are like illegitimate relationships. We're gonna learn there's nuances to, to Arias. There's it's very hard to understand Hashem's creation of the world and how it balances out with science and everything else, right? Everything we're going to be discussing here means you need greater focus. Even the Maisa Merkava, the story of the chariot, also we're going to get into this fiery chariot that went straight up to Shemayim. Very difficult to understand. You cannot darshan it. You cannot expound it even to one person. Unless... The person you're talking to is incredibly knowledgeable and will be able to bring it with his knowledge. What does that mean? Again, we're going to have to wait. He's knowledgeable and we'll be able to bring it somewhere with his knowledge. Okay, the Gemara is going to have to explain what that is. Vaitur in the Mishnah. Kol hamistakel ba'arba'a duvarim. Anybody who gazes intently means gets caught up in the following four things. Rasui <clears throat> lo, he's better off. Ki'ilu lo bala olam, as if he wouldn't have come to the world. It's going to play with your mind. Now, just notice, Yiddishkeit is not chas v'shalom. It's not, God forbid, a religion where we just have a leap of faith. It's not what it's about. A person needs to learn on their own. Come to an understanding. There must be a God. And we have to know and question and go after and research how we know there's a tire. But once you know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is true and the tire is true, then you start saying, why? With humility. Knowing if there's a God, I'm never going to fully grasp anything. And if we try to go places where the human mind simply cannot comprehend, it's going to explode on us. Or we should say implode. So again, I want to clarify. This Mishnah is not about to tell me, don't think about these things. It's a stupid question, terrible question. The Jews not allowed to ask this. We're not saying that because that's never true with, Ju- with Judaism. Jews are known to ask questions. It's crucial. But when we ask the question, there's a humility that has to be there. Once you know there's a God, once you know there's an Abishter, and once you know the Torah is true, 
there's a humility that has to come in where I say my mind simply it would be dumb of me to go to certain places because you can't get it. You're not going to grasp it and it's just going to cause problems. Overthinking. Okay? It's very... It's, this is, I'm, 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 I'm making this basic, but this is something to think about. It's a big aside. It's hinted to a little bit, by the way, with Enka Lokeno. The Chavot Chaim points out, we say, Enka Lokeno, Enka Adoneno, Enka Malkeno, Enka Maishieno, Micha Lokeno, Micha Adoneno. The Chavot Chaim says that of order. We say there's nobody like God, and then we say, Micha Lokeno, who's like God? What do you mean? It should be the opposite. The paragraph should start. Who's like Hashem? And the answer is nobody. Right? It should say, Michael, okay, no, Michael, don't know, and then say, Enkel, okay, no, Enkel, right? It should be the other way. Says the Heli Gilchav No. Because at a certain point, once you know Enkel, okay, no, then you can start asking as much as you want, Michael, okay, no, because there's going to be humility there. I know there's a Rabbi Nishalim. Then go ask, Michael, who is? I don't know. Nobody. I figured that out. Right? But the Chavaz Chaim is saying, it's not the question after the answer. It's once you know Enkel, okay, no, Ask, because there's going to be humility, so it's not going to drive you crazy. Okay? So here we go. Vaiter in the, in the Mishnah. Anybody who gazes intently, gets obsessed with the following four things, Russell like you, would be better off to not have been in the world. Your mind's going to explode. Malamala, malamata. Okay? What is above and what is below? Outside of planet Earth, what is the abyss the heavens, the constellations underneath us, how far, things that are outside of the physical, don't, you could ask, you could look, don't gaze intently. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter to us as humans. Okay? Research, research. Sometimes it does. You could learn Amun and Bitochen from certain things, but don't get obsessed with it. Don't gaze. That's what gaze means. To like stay like focused on it. Malufnim, what was before the world? What's going to happen after the world? Right? What was before? What, what existed before creation? What did Hashem have? Was there other? What, what did the, you're going to blow your mind. A person who does not have Rachmanus, mercy for the honor of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Rasulilo it would have been uh, better off for such a person to have, not, uh, to have not come to the world. Okay. Now, says the Gemara. Anybody see four things in the Mishnah that if you gaze at, you got, your mind's going to implode? What did the Mishnah say? If you look at four things, what's above, what's below, before and after, and you're not mockbit on... HaKadosh Baruch Hu's honor, it would have been better to have not come to the world. Huh? How many you got? Okay. You counting three? Me too. Good. If that's bothering you, bothering me too. Let's, let's keep going and we'll get an answer. Mitzvah Gavaldik says the Gemara, I'm Ripparisha. We said at the beginning of the Mishnah, when it comes to the story of the Merkava in Novi, the fiery child went to Shema. I mean, I'll let a darshan it publicly, even to one person, unless he's done, right? But then you said, 
Don't tell me you're not allowed to teach it to one person and then say, you could teach it to a person as long as they're knowledgeable. Then why'd you say, don't teach it to one person? Say, the Merkava should be taught only to knowledgeable people. Mm-hmm. This is what a Mishnah means to say. You don't give a drusha about forbidden relationships to three people. And the not be in front of two people. Okay, so now we just put it together. Question answer. Okay. The laws of forbidden relationships should not be darshan in front of three people. Says the Gemara, my time. We got to find this such a hush of a message. My time. Why not? Ish ish, man man. As kol if he reveals the nakedness of his close relatives, ish ish trey she'er besari chad. Ish one man, ish two men. She'er besari chad is number three. Yeah. the Don't come close to revealing arayas, meaning not only physically but even tirewise. You shouldn't reveal arayas to three people, right? The ish, the ish, and the she'er besari. If that's why you're going to darshan this, el miyata dechsev ish ish ki kala likov. If a person curses out Hashem, chas v'shalom ish ish a man a man hashiitin l'zar lemaylech who gives his children over to maylech chayv misa hachanami. Are you going to tell me over here that you're only obligated when two men together give their children over to maylech? That's when you're going to be chayv. No, ella hanumi boile the rabbi says ha nachrim. Rather, what does it mean ish ish that whether you're a Jew, whether you're a non-Jew? You're forbidden to give your kid over to Meilich. Whether you're a Jew, whether you're a non-Jew, you're forbidden to curse out the Rebbein Shalayim. They're ob- equally obligated to not curse out the Rebbein Shalayim or serve by the Zara Chasvashalim the same way Yisrael is. This Pesach is not coming teaching me that you can't darshan in front of three people. You know what it means, Ishish? It means that the forbidden relationships of a Yisrael are forbidden relationships of a non-Jew too. And therefore, we don't have a source telling me that you can't darshan arayas in front of three people. So we're back to square one. What's my source? That you're not allowed to darshan arayas in front of three people. Ella says the Gemara, rather, It's from the following Pasuk, which says, Ushmartem es mishmarti, you should protect my protection. Ushmartem, tray. You, shmartem is plural. Mishmarti, chat. To make sure that you don't transgress one of my abominable transgressions. Okay? Uh, behaviors. So you see, three people together, you have two plus one, three people together should not learn Torah. Uh, the, the, not learn Torah, should learn Torah, but, but not the halachas of Arias. And you should protect the matzis, which we darshan to also mean mitzvahs, right? But it says matzis. You should protect the mishmar sakedish. You're going to tell me there as well that it's referring to two people, ushmartem, two people? No. So again, we're back to square one. How do you know? You're, we have no source yet teaching me you should not darshan arayas in front of three people. And here we go. Says the Gemara. Ella Amaravashi. Here's the message, which I think is fantastic. In, in relationships and how to speak to people and how careful we need to be with giving over information. Ella Amaravashi, rather Ravashi says, I'll tell you why you can't darshan the laws of forbidden relationships in front of three people. My in darshan 
You're not allowed to speak about the, the, the nister, the hidden things of Arias publicly in front of three people. Okay? Meaning, things that are not explicitly in the Pasuk and are nuanced, they're Beseser. They're more, you need to be more particular in explaining how the halachas are extrapolated. That cannot be done in front of three people. My timer, why not? Svarahu, logic. You know what the logic is? Betray, if you're talking to two people, while they're sitting in front of the Rebbe, what happens when you're trying to learn something? You need to ask. And as the Rebbe is talking, you have two Talmidim in front of you. One Talmud is going to say, Rebbe, I don't understand. But what about this? And the Rebbe is going to clarify. And as the Rebbe is talking to Talmud number one, what's Talmud number two doing? Listening in. So there's no, there's no issue. Talmud number two is listening in while Talmud number one is learning. Everybody's gaining and even this nuance is being given across. The Edoch, the other Talmud, Motzli Udnei, he's putting his ear, the Gemara, to what's being learned. Beautiful. Talasa, but when you have three Talmidim, listen to this in a classroom. Chad Shokil Batari Rabbi, one kid raises his hand. Rebbe, Chabakasha, Rebbe, I have a question. What happens when one kid raises his hand and there's two more kids in the classroom? They start schmoozing. This kid's got a question. What's it got to do with me? I think I understand it. See, in class, I thought, when I was a kid, it's unfortunate, but I think this might be a normal reaction. I thought that if I have a question, nobody else had a question, that means I'm done. So I was always embarrassed to ask. It seems like everybody else understands it, but really, some, as we mature, we realize... Sometimes, because you grasp it more, you have more questions. And everybody else thinks they understand, they really don't. Okay? So one guy asks a question, the other two, what do they think? Oh, I understand it. So I'll smooth with the other guy, whether it's in learning even. But the bottom line is, I'm not intently listening to how the Rebbe is explaining the nuance. For the Yadi, my Rabbi, they're not going to know clearly what the Rebbe just said. But also the mystery surah of Arayas, and they could come to transgress Arayas. So you know why you can't teach Arias the nuances of Arias in front of three people, the depths, the secrets of Arias. Because you start teaching one Talmud, the other two are going to start schmoozing. And they could come to transgress. Says Gemara, If so, every day school should be obligated to have one Rebbe for two Talmudim. Why are you allowed to have a classroom of three students or more? It's a good question. It's a good question. Says the Gemara, Arias shiny, Domar Mar. Gezel and Arias, people have a lust towards these things. And therefore, our minds are more geared towards finding the leniency when there's a lack of clarity. How true? When it comes to financial matters, when it comes to Arias, like, oh, I deny it's probably okay. Why are we going to say it's probably okay? Because we want ourselves to say it's probably okay. So the only time we have the concern is when there's chemed, when there's desire. But when it's stama situation, when there's no particular taiva for it. So a lack of clarity, you could put that responsibility on the student, so to speak. Okay, so listen up. Okay? So why did the mission only say you can't teach in front of three Talmudim the secrets of Arayas? You say you can't teach 
the laws of Gezel either. Arias applies whether or not the forbidden relationship is in front of you. The Yitzhahara paints a cotton candy picture. Ooh, hey, people dream about Arias even when it's not real. It's not practical. Gezel befan of nafesh When it comes to money, a normal person usually is not planning on where to go steal from a bank. How is it going to end? Where's the vault? If, usually it's when you have the document in front of you and you have a decision to make whether you're going to be honest on your taxes or not honest on your taxes. That's when the decision needs to be made. But it's not, it's when it's sitting in front of you. It's not all the time. And that's the difference between the taiva for Arias and the taiva for Gezel. Satan? Okay. Beautiful. Next part of the Mishnah. Two dots. Fly by my separation, Mishnah. I mean, I'll let it learn my separation with two Talmidim. Says the Brahmin on Emili. What is the source for this? The Rabbin of the Rabbis learned so shui. It's been a while since we said that. Ki shalnali amri shaynim. If a person asks about earlier days, yachid shayov ein shayim shaylim. One person could ask about uh, the creation of the world, but two people shouldn't uh, be asking together. Yachol yishal adam yachol akayim shenev ra'ilam. Because a person is going to say, oh, you, you should ask about what happened before the world created. Talmud laimar, doesn't matter. The mana yayim ashabar likim adam ala aretz. You should be concerned about from the first day of my separations. When I sent me the physical world, that's what should concern a person. As we've said over what my mother told my uncle when she was about to pass away and he wanted her to come back and turn a dream, she says, it ain't your business. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going to be in Shemayim. You're down here. Shemayim's in Shemayim. A human being should focus on the task at hand in this world. I might think you, you shouldn't ask about Shemayim itself. We're only asking, don't ask about before. Well, Shemayim itself. No. You're allowed to ask about my separations. That's practical. That's here. That's in our world. Seder, once the world's up, day number one, we need clarity. Should say, oh, if I'm allowed to ask about my separations, I should ask about above and below and before and after. From one end of Shemaim to the other, you could ask. From one end of the heaven to the other. You could ask from top to bottom. I'm sorry, you could ask from, from one end of the world to the other. But above and below and things that, again, are metaphysical. Things that are from before the world, after the world, in and out. That's not what we should be asking about. Period. The suga continues to stickle, but we might finish on the very bottom word. We'll hold it here for today. And Bez Hashem, we will pick up from here tomorrow evening at 6.30 p.m. Central. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everybody.